Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. Really excited this morning to have been granted opportunity by the leadership of ACC to bring a word to us. And I thank God for his presence here already. Father, we ask that Jesus will be lifted up today. We want to see Jesus lifted high up, a banner across the nations, that all men, all women, all children will see and know that he is the way to heaven. That's our prayer today, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will come and open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to see Jesus in all of his glory, his person, his life, his finished work on the cross. And may our souls and our spirits respond aright to God with praise and worship, with hearts dedicated to him, singing like we've just been doing, that it's in him and it's because of him that we live. It will be because of him that we sing, that indeed all that we do shall be to his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Good to be here this morning. I believe that God has a lot for us. And I believe that by the time we live here today, we will find that we are drawn closer to Jesus. Hallelujah. That Jesus will be lifted up again in our hearts and our souls and our minds. We'll see him in a new way. We will love him more and we'll live more for him. Amen. So over the past few weeks, we have had a series of teachings on generally the state of the church. And at one point, I think we zoomed on to what we call the, the five solace, if you remember, a few weeks ago. And um, the five solace are really important because during a time in history when there was an eclipse of the word of God, when there was darkness and truth wasn't preached anymore on the pulpits, the Reformation came and men ordained of God brought these truths to light from the scriptures to come and encourage the church and bring the church back on track. I believe that we are in an era now where the church is going off track again, largely where the focus has shifted from Jesus and from the scriptures. And when people are following after things and all kinds of philosophies and doctrines and everything else apart from the Christ himself. Prosperity is a big one today, for example. But we want to come back to the scriptures, back to the Bible, and see what it is that God teaches us about himself. What it is that he expects of us as a people of God. And I trust that today we will be making another step forward because last week, our pastor N.K. brought us one of the solas, sola scriptura, which is scripture alone. Hallelujah. In his teaching, he helped us see that the scriptures and the scriptures alone are meant to be the basis of our life and doctrine as a people of God. He showed us that we are not supposed to look at anything else but the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the scriptures. Today, I'm going to be continuing with a second sola. This one is called the Solus Christus, or Christ alone. Hallelujah. 
Christ alone. That's why I've been excited about these songs, singing about all of his goodness, all that he has done, how we can only cry out, Emela, thank you, thank you, thank you. For indeed, that is the heart of this gospel, what Christ did on the cross. And if you truly believe in scripture alone, if you truly believe that, then you agree in the end that the scriptures point to Christ alone. Hallelujah. Not just the gospels that talk about him and his life and the things he did. Not just Paul's letters and epistles that talk about and give us an understanding of his finished work and all that, explain the gospels in details. But actually all of the Old Testament as well, from Genesis all the way to the end, the whole Bible speaks about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament in a prophetic, messianic manner. But honestly, the whole Bible is about Jesus. He's the center of the scriptures. So if you agreed with NK's preaching last week, and you agree that the scriptures and scriptures alone are the authority on which the church will stand, then it makes my work very, very easy this morning. It's easy to agree that then Christ alone is supposed to be the foundation of our lives. Hallelujah. For the whole scripture is about Christ from beginning to end. In fact, Martin Luther said this. He said that Christ is the center and circumference of the Bible. Finished. Christ is the center and the circumference of the Bible. Meaning that who he is and what he did in his death and resurrection is the fundamental content of scripture. So from A to Z, the scripture, the Bible, is all about Jesus. Telling us he was going to come, telling us what he was going to do, and then his coming, and then all that he did and his implication. In the end, in Revelation, we see how he's going to come in, he's going to be coming back, a king of glory, to take us back to be with the Father. So truly, it's all about Christ and Christ alone. Hallelujah. But what does the Bible itself say? If we're going to be based everything on the scripture and scripture alone, then we must tend to the word of God. So what does the Bible say? I'll give you a few scriptures that point to this truth, even though I know you believe it already. And after we have looked at what the Bible says, we will look at the second point that we'll be talking about. Is God justified in making Jesus the only way to himself? And the third point I'll be looking at is, what about those who never heard the gospel? Then we'll finish off with what our response should be. Amen? Hallelujah. So what does the Bible say? John chapter 14, verse 6, I'm sure we all know. It says that Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very emphatic statement. We can have no doubts about it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He didn't say, I am one of the ways. I am the way. I am the truth, not one of the many truths that are around today. I am the truth, and I am the life. And as if he was so sure men would not really believe that, he actually brings the emphasis. He tells us clearly, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Just in case you don't understand that he is the only way, he emphasizes that no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very bold claim to make. But Jesus said that himself. And he said this again about himself in John chapter 3. If you look at verse 14 to 18. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. These are the words of the Christ himself. Very emphatic. It's unambiguous at all. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's plain. No one goes to the Father except through him. Acts 4.12 Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under the heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Did I say more? It's very clear, isn't it? There is no other name. No other name. So this is not a claim by Christians. The scriptures that we say we believe in as a very foundation that we stand on, these scriptures tell us that he is the only way and there is no other name given. Salvation is found in no one else. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And there are so many other scriptures that we could bring out here to prove to us that from the Bible, it is clear and emphatic that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. There is no other way. There is no other name. But why is this so? Is God justified in making Jesus the only way to himself? I think it can be a problem for many people. You know, one of my favorite songs is a song by Andrea Bocelli. It says, Dare to Live or Vivere. And there's a line in that song that says that in this world, where there is not any one truth, but so many of them. If I let me quote it directly, it says there is no one truth but only pieces. That is a modern thought. That's a modern philosophy. Where we are taught that we have to be tolerant, meaning that we have to agree that people have various ways of reaching God. We need to agree that there's no one way of getting to God. We talk about pluralism, where there are many ways to God. Relativism, what works for you, works for you. Great, good for you, but something else works for me. If this is the religion that works for you, this is the belief that works for the doctrine that works for you, so be it. But this is what works for me too. Don't tell me about yours. I don't tell you about mine. Let's all be happy with what we have found. This is where the world is going to now. Where we think that people have a right to just believe what they believe and there are several truths not only one truth but the Bible is emphatic that there's only one truth there's only one way there's only one mediator there's only one savior and the scriptures I've read attest to that the question now is is it fair is God being exclusive in trying to say that Jesus is the only way I want to convince you this morning that to the contrary, God is actually being very, very kind. He's being highly inclusive in his approach by bringing Jesus to us. And this is why. You need to understand who God is. You need to understand the holiness of God. You need to understand 
the justice of God. When you see God in all of his glory, in all of his holiness, then you begin to understand how far fallen man is from him. You begin to understand how wide the gap is between natural man and God. In the scriptures, we find that people saw God and they died. People could not behold him. They had to go down on their faces to see, to be alive. We know the priest, for example, going to the Holy of Holies, could not go. He had to be blindfolded. They had to tie a rope to his garment. And he had to walk into the, throne of the Holy of Holies backwards like that. Just in case his eyes open and see the Lord and he dies. No one else could go in there and bring him out because they would die as well. The presence of God is so holy that sinful man would just perish in that presence. So that rope was meant to be outside the Holy of Holies so that if over a long period the man is not coming out, they know he is dead. Then they would just pull the rope and bring him out. No one dared to go into the presence of God. That's how totally other our God is. That's how holy he is. That's how separate he is from us. But it wasn't always like that. In the Garden of Eden, when he created man, the Bible tells us he used to stroll in the garden and have a chat with man. But sin came into the world. You know that. There's no point going to all of that. But because of that sin, man could no longer come into contact with God face to face and survive. The holiness of God is so big, it's so huge, it's so mighty that it created a problem for God. Because apart from understanding the holiness of God, we also need to understand the heart of God. The heart of God has always been for mankind. God has always sought for relationship with us. He's wanted to commune with us. He's wanted to be one with us. But sin came in the way and his holiness wouldn't allow him to bring us into his presence like that. The justice of God could not allow that. The holiness of God could not allow that. That sinful man would just be brought into his presence like that. So something had to be done. Someone had to bridge the gap. A mediator was needed. And this God, because of his heart for us, because he loved us so much, decided he would solve the problem. So according to the scriptures, which we learned last week, is our basis for everything. It's infallible. The scriptures say that God came down as a man. He came as a little baby. We know the story. We know how he lived a sinless life. We know how he went to the cross. We know how he died. We know how he was buried. We know how on the third day he rose up. And we know that because of that finished work on the cross, he paid the price for all time for all people so that through his finished work on the cross, we could now satisfy the holy requirements of God so that being clothed in him, being covered in him, hiding under his finished work and his righteousness, man could now come into the presence of God. That is why he's a great mediator. He came to reconcile men to God. Brothers and sisters, it was an all-inclusive agenda. It wasn't exclusive at all. So inclusive that the Bible actually calls Jesus the last Adam. The first Adam sinned, and because of his sin, all men were counted sinners. His sin was imputed to us, even before we were born. And the Bible says that in the same way, Jesus Christ came as a second man or the last Adam. And he lived a righteous life. 
and he gave that righteousness to us so that by his righteousness all men may be imputed with righteousness as well. What is more inclusive than this? This is the wisdom of God that Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Going towards 30. He says that, but Christ Jesus is the wisdom of God. Because he has become unto us our righteousness. He has become unto us our sanctification. And he has come unto us our redemption. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, this is a master plan of God. That his holy requirements will be satisfied in his son Jesus. That Jesus now gives us righteousness as a free gift. Having received this righteousness, cleaning our original sin, making us holy before God, he also is our sanctification. Which means that our continuous righteousness. Because righteousness can be seen in two ways. There's a positional one in Christ. But there's also the practical one, the experiential one. How do you live a righteous life? That's what we call sanctification. So we are made righteous in Christ, but we are being sanctified in him. Which means that when people see us, they see their righteousness working out in our lives. And the Bible says Jesus is our sanctification as well. But not only that, he is also our final redemption. So it's a master plan of God to bring humanity back to himself. And not have us have to depend on ourselves again or anything else to make it to heaven. Because our final redemption, theological under word for it, is our glorification. It means that our making it to heaven is all in Christ Jesus. What could be more inclusive than this? It's a very comprehensive plan. To wash away your original sin, deal with it. Forgive all your sins, dealt with. Then, to help you live a sanctified life as well. More than that, to bring you to glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's a comprehensive plan. It's a total package. And this can be done only in Christ Jesus. No human being can satisfy the holy requirements of God. It's not possible. And even if you could, what about the original sin which was imputed to you through Adam? How do you deal with that? So people who say there are many ways to God just don't understand the requirements of God. If you truly understand the requirements of God, and you understand how totally depraved humanity is in Adam, brothers and sisters, you will cry out for help. You say, God, I can't do it. And if we are to be honest, you and I will agree. In our attempts to live for God, we keep falling, don't we? You make New Year resolutions. In a short time, you've made mistakes again. Look, if you are honest, you will agree that no man can make it to God by his own effort. It's not possible. It's just not possible. Because the Bible says that if you go against even one of the law, you have transcended the whole law. You've gone against the whole law. Who can make it? Who can deliver us from this? Only Christ Jesus, the great mediator, who was righteous in every way, who took our sins upon himself, the great high priest, and once and for all, according to Hebrews, made the sacrifice on our behalf. And who? raised up and seated with Christ, now intercedes for us every day. Because not just being saved and made righteous, the maintenance matters. We just cannot do it on our own. And that's why I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's not a matter of arrogance or pride. It's not about trying to be exclusive when we say Jesus is the only way. It's because we understand the state of the human nature. The natural man in no way can please God. He's totally, totally depraved. There's no good in man. No matter how much he 
tries, he cannot meet the righteous requirements of God. He needs a savior. God in his love and kindness has given that savior in Jesus. All other religions, I tell you, tell you how man can get to God by his own effort. By doing A, B, C, D, by not doing X, Y, Z, you will go to God. It's only Christianity that teaches us that God came to us. That God drew us to himself. That he did all the work himself and freely gives us his salvation. That through Christ, we may be reconciled with him. And that's why Christ is the only way. Because no man can do it. Hallelujah. So actually, we are not arrogant. But rather, we are humbled. This is the grace of God. That's why the song said, Imela, Imela. Thank you, thank you. We think about his goodness. Think about the gospel. That's why it's the good news. Gospel is good news. Good news is that God in Christ Jesus is reconciling man to himself. We don't have to struggle anymore on our own. Jesus has paid the price in full. This is the Christian message. This is Christ alone. That salvation is found in no other name but in Christ Jesus. So my point is this, if you understand the holiness of God, if you understand his holy requirements, if you understand the depravity, total depravity of man, then you understand that man needs a helper, man needs a savior, man needs a mediator, and that's why Jesus came. And that's why he's the only way to the Father. We can't do it. The heart of God is good. He doesn't want anyone to perish. 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that, that God wants us all to be saved. John 3.17 tells us the same thing. He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. If God didn't want all the world to be saved, he wouldn't wait all this long. He's waiting for the last corner of the world to hear the gospel, opportunity to be given to everyone, and then the end will come. Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is a God knocking. This is a God inviting. This is a God pressing himself on us. And we see that all through the Old Testament as well. God wooing the Israelites like a man will woo a woman. This is a God who is pursuing us, brothers and sisters. He's not an exclusive God. He's actually making a way for all men to come to him. Romans 10.13 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise. God is not excluding anyone. He wants us to come. Romans 2.4 actually talks about his kindness. That we don't realize that his kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. He's showing us grace. He's showing us love. He's wooing us just so we we'll repent and come to a place of understanding that truly I can't do it on my own. I need help. And then we cry out to the Father and his Son and we find that help and salvation. Just to help us see again God's dilemma, God's difficulty, and why Christ is needed. Isaiah 64 verse 6 tells us about our righteous acts being like filthy rags before him. Even man's best, man's best efforts are trying to fulfill the law are not pleasing to God because there's a problem of the heart. So all the works we do outwardly still are not good enough. Women understand this better. Married women understand this better. When a husband is providing big houses and cars and money and holidays and everything, and he himself is never really there. My wife complains all the time. I know a lot of women complain. Because men, we are out there working, 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 and they want us. They want our hearts. They want our time. They want our attention. You can understand the frustration of God from that. 
in our outward works, we obey the law. We pay tithe. We do this. We preach the gospel. We do everything the Bible says we should do. We will not fornicate. We will not smoke. We will not drink. We will not get drunk. You know, we do all the things thinking that those are the things that make God happy. But honestly, all these righteous acts, he says, are like filthy rags because the heart is not there. The devotion is not there. We don't make him first in our lives every day. I'm saying human effort cannot do it. Isaiah 29, 13, Matthew 58 to 9. It talks about the dissonance between what we say and what we do and what's really in our heart. God felt it and Jesus quoted it in Matthew 15, 8 to 9. He says, with their lips they praise me and all that, but their hearts are far away from me. Jesus was against the Pharisees who obeyed the law more than them, but their hearts were not in it. Brothers and sisters, only one thing can bring the heart of man to God. And that is the man Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. When we get to see that, see how helpless we are, see how he comes in and pays a price for us and saves us, it does something to us. It breaks us inside. It awakens something in our love for God because then we begin to appreciate the heart of the Father. Then, now we start doing those good things based on something from inside. Not with the hope that doing these good things and works will bring us to him. For that is religion. God is looking for relationship, not religion. He's not looking for the works. He's looking for relationship. He wants our hearts. And that's why Jesus has to be the only way. Religion is about doing the outside things, the externals, to get to God. But relationship is connecting with God at a personal level. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the only way that this relationship can happen. Otherwise, we can't come before the holiness of God. Last time when NK taught us, there was a question time. And there was one question that came up. He said, what about those who never heard the gospel? What happens to them? It's a good question, and it's a tough one. But listen, Christ is the wisdom of God. He knows how to sort that out. We get an idea of this from John chapter 5, 24 to 29. I believe that these people who may never hear the gospel, and remember there are some who have died who never heard the gospel, and they are dead already. And there are those who even live between Adam and Jesus Christ. How are they going to be judged? They never, they never got born again. They didn't see Christ. But I believe that in John 5, 24 to 20, that we have an idea of the heart of God. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as a father has life in himself, so he has granted a son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Do you see a glimpse of the heart of God here? The justice of God here? Let's not worry about those. He knows how he will deal with them. Even the dead, they will come up. And God knows how he will judge them. So we shouldn't worry too much about that. Plus, the truth is that there's more and more growing testimony. I was discussing with NK the last time. And I've had so many testimonies myself of that. Where people who belong to other religions are having visions and dreams. And Jesus is appearing to them in person. And they are giving their lives to Christ. 
There's so many like that. For many years, I did youth work among the students of the University of Ghana campus, and I had many students like that who were Muslims, for example, and they had become born again. They were Christians. They were coming to my meetings and all, but their families didn't know they had been converted. There are many like that. We think they are unreached, but God is reaching in every, every tribe, every race, every people group. God is reaching out to people. He knows how to accomplish this. Even angels proclaim the gospel to people as well. So what happens to those people? God in his wisdom will deal with them. He said, just God, and he will sort them out. Finally, what should our response be? If Jesus is the only way, and if nothing but Christ alone, what should our response be? First, I want to say that even before the response, I want to say something that I didn't think I would have time, so I didn't put in my notes, but I just have to say it, that when we talk about Christ alone, we're talking about him being sufficient for our salvation and our redemption. But apart from that, we're also saying that we shouldn't add anything to him. Because some people believe that through Christ they get saved, but they think that on top of Christ you must add something else. One or two gods from the village, for example, lots of people still do that, you know or some philosophies or doctrines or teachings from other books. But I want to say that maybe at another time we'll do a teaching on the all-sufficiency of Christ. Solus Christus means that he is sufficient for our salvation, but not only that, he is sufficient for all of life. Colossians tells us Christ is our all in all. It says that we are complete in Christ. He is a comprehensive package. You don't need him plus anybody else. If you are following some prophet or pastor anywhere who's telling you that it's only through him that you can make it to God, please run away from him. I've seen people like that who are following leaders like that. They believe if they leave that leader, they are going to hell. He's the only one who holds the key to salvation. Christ alone. Hallelujah. Not through anybody else, not through anything else, Christ alone. What then should our response be? I think the best way to summarize our response is to read the whole of Romans chapter 10. And Paul gives us the answer. He says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. You see the heart of God here. So just like you worried about, what about those who never heard the gospel? Apostle Paul was also worried for people in Israel that they also will be saved. He says, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. That's why we must teach these truths. That's why we must preach the gospel. Some people are really full of zeal in other religions, and they are doing it to their letter, following the rules, the fast, everything. The zeal is there. The desire to please God is there. But the apostle says that I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is a combination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Christ is a combination of the law. Talking mainly about Judaism here that the Jews cannot make it to heaven through the Torah, not through Moses' teachings, but only through Christ. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that says, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who are sent into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the gospel. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth 
that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Do you see our response here? If we truly believe that Christ is the way and the only way, and we truly are concerned about those who are following other religions or doing other things trying to get to God, and we know that is zeal without knowledge, our job is to bring this knowledge to them. How will they know? How will they believe if no one takes a message to them? If we understand the gospel, the treasure that it is that we have, then automatically we'll be a missional church. Automatically, you want to spread the good news because God in Christ is reconciling man to himself. All your struggles will not get you anywhere. There's an easy free way, faith in Jesus Christ. Thank God over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at faith alone. We'll be looking at grace alone. So there'll be more in-depth teaching on these things that I'm bringing today. Today, it's Christ alone. But this is the truth. This is the gospel. People need to hear. How will they hear if no one tells them? If we sit on this gospel, how will they know? If you and I don't teach people in our workplaces, if we don't talk to our children, if we don't talk to our neighbors, how will they know that there's this free gift? How will they know? But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is what we are meant to be preaching. This is what we are meant to be teaching. The word about Christ. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the center. He's the circumference of all of life. Hallelujah. It goes on to talk about, did they not hear? Of course they did. And the judgment upon those who hear and don't, don't respond. But the good news is this. We have been given the truth. We have been shown the way. We have been given the Christ and we have been reconciled to God. Church, let us be those who do not keep this truth to ourselves. Let us spread the good news. Tell people about Jesus. Even many who are churched do not know these truths. I was in church for many years. I didn't understand this truth until someone brought it to me. And I, oh, yeah, really? So this is why Christ is the only way. This is why I'm a Christian. Hallelujah. My father, at the age of about 60, on his way to death, was privileged after having spent all his life in church, being on all committees and chairman because he had money and he could sponsor things. On his deathbed, he heard the gospel for the first time. He got saved. I was a young boy in sixth form, then my presec. This man in his sixth state came all the way from Tamale, where he lived, came to see me here at presec in sixth form, just to give me one message. He says, hey, this church we've been going to all these years, they never taught us this truth. 
find a Bible believing church and follow Jesus. Those were the last words my dad spoke to me before he died because he went back to the north and died a few weeks later on. It's been a passion for me that look, people are zealous for God in the church, outside the church, other religions. Lack of knowledge. We have the knowledge. Christ is the way. May Jesus be lifted high. A banner across the nations that all men may see and know that he's the way to heaven. Hallelujah. I don't know if there's anyone here today who has never truly understood the gospel in this way, that Jesus is the only way and has never really given their life to him exclusively in this way. I want to encourage you, today might be your day. Don't let all your hard work and all your zeal and you're going to church and you're paying tithe and you're trying to be good all be in vain. It doesn't count before God. Only one thing matters. Total surrender to Jesus Christ. Says, Lord, say, Lord, I cannot meet your holy requirements on my own. But I thank you that Jesus paid the price. Thank you for sending him to pay for my sins and to cleanse me. Jesus, forgive me. I believe you are Lord. I believe you died for me. Be my Lord and Savior. That's all it takes, brothers and sisters. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. If you want to know more, you want to make a decision for Christ, I want to encourage you at the end, talk to one of our leaders. We'll have time with you. We can help you make this move. John chapter 5, verse 24, I think. It says, whoever believes has crossed over from death to life. You can cross over today by giving your life to Jesus. Amen and God bless you. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, the Bonnie Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.